Good morning, Four Oaks Church. Pastor Paul here. It is Wednesday, February 2nd, 2022. So glad that you have joined us. It's hard to believe that the first month of 2022, January, has evaporated. But here indeed we are, and we are trekking through the book of Romans. Now, these times on Monday through Friday are designed to kind of unpack portions of God's word that we've been preaching through the book of Romans that maybe we haven't had a chance to get to during the sermon or not enough time to explore in depth. And so we kind of track concurrently with those and follow up and and tease out some of those themes here um, on these weekdays that we're together. Now, what we're doing this week, though, is as we head towards the midpoint of the book of Romans on Sunday mornings at Four Oaks, we're just taking this opportunity to kind of consolidate our gains, to review where we've been in Romans, to do a review of these first chapters that we've been in. And so here today, um, we are up to chapter three in Romans. And, and Monday, we again saw this idea that the gospel is Paul's prevailing theme. It's his life impetus. It animates and directs everything that he does. And the reason it is such good news, this gospel, is because of the bad news that confronts all of humanity. That's where we were yesterday, being reminded that Paul said, whether you're religious or irreligious, Jew or Greek, um, big or small, old or young, doesn't matter. All are in the same boat when it relates to this predicament of being under the just wrath and justice of God. And so we talked about how we have to to really come face to face with the darkness, the, the, the bad news before we can fully embrace the good news. Well, now that Paul has sort of laid that out, he gets into the full thrust of this good news in earnest. And again, Paul is not content to fly at 40,000 feet and tell us um, simply that Jesus died for us, as important and as crucial as that is. Paul wants us to understand how salvation works. Paul wants us to grow in the depth and knowledge of, of an understanding of the nature of Christ's death for us, what it meant, what it signified, what it accomplished, which brings us to undoubtedly one of the very most important sections in all of Scripture, Romans 3, 21 through 26. So let me read that for us and just talk about what we find here in terms of the essence or heart of the gospel. <clears throat> Romans 3, 21, but now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Christ Jesus for all who believe. For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Now, Paul returns here to the theme 
that he laid out in Romans 1, 16 through 17, which is this idea that the gospel is the righteousness of God revealed by faith, given by faith. Now, the common misconception at that time among the religious, among the Jews, was in fact that righteousness was something that could be obtained, at least in part, through human effort. Of course, this wasn't simply uh, unique to the Jews. This was this is um, endemic to all human religion, which seeks to establish righteousness uh, or, or a standard of goodness before uh, being a deity, whether that's God or someone else, as the means to attaining eternal life or salvation. And for Paul, he says, we've gotten this all wrong. It's all backwards. That's not the economy of God. The economy of God is that his righteousness is given to us as a gift through faith. And the way that we attain this righteousness, um, the way that it was purchased on our behalf is, is captured in this idea of Jesus Christ dying as a propitiation by his blood. And that word propitiation, it means sacrifice of atonement. It means um, to, when, when, we, when we say we want to propitiate something, it's not a word that we often use in today's language and vernacular, but it means to appease, to, uh, to satisfy, to, to erase anger. And what Paul is talking about here is that God's anger, wrath, have been justly targeted, oriented towards sinful humanity, but that Jesus was put forward by God himself, God the Father, not coercively, but willingly. Um, Jesus submitted himself, became obedient to death, even death on a cross, and that Jesus submitted himself as this sacrifice of atonement. And instead of the wrath of God being justly poured out on us, it was justly poured out on him. And that because he died in our place, um, we no longer have to receive that punishment for sins. Our sins are now forgiven um, because they were taken on by Jesus. Now understand, this was what we're talking about here, maybe, maybe familiar to us as Christians, but this is just radically um, runs against the grain of all human instinct, right? The idea that someone who was worthy of death was spared from death because a substitute who was not worthy of death died in their place. That's, that's outrageous. That's crazy talk. But the Bible calls this grace. And Paul says that Jesus, the center, very center point of the gospel, that what Jesus's death did for us is that it accomplished salvation by making himself not just merely an example, not by merely being obedient, but by, but by in, in actuality being that sacrificial lamb who died in our place. Now, Paul says something interesting here um, in the middle of verse 25, and sometimes we can skate past this, but let me read it for us. It says, this was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins. And now John Piper says he thinks this might be the most important verse in the Bible. 
because it gives us a framework for understanding how it was that people under the old covenant were saved through faith, even though Jesus Christ had not yet come and died on the cross. See, salvation was not accomplished through works in the old covenant, in the Old Testament. It was through faith. So Abraham believed in God. It was credited to him through righteousness, through faith. But what, what, what this means is this faith was appropriated or pointed to this time in the future when Jesus would come and die for the sins of all of his people, his people in the past, his people in the present, his people in the future. And, and in a lot of ways, we can think about the fact that God had not punished these sins under the old covenant. This was, this was a divine travesty. This was, this, was a, this was something that was unfair, not unfair to us, but unjust to God. How could this God who um, is holy and righteous overlook these sins committed under the old covenant? Well, it was because the faith of God's people looked forward to that time when Jesus' death on the cross would purchase their salvation and their forgiveness of sins as well. And for Paul, the Apostle Paul, the gospel comes to full fruition in this idea that Jesus was a propitiation, that it was planned, that it was purposeful, that it was the design of God before the foundations of the world, that all of the covenants and sacrifices and civil laws and ceremonial regulations in the Old Testament, in the Old Covenant, were preparing for and looking towards the coming of Christ in the new. And Paul's great conclusion from this, in verse 27, then he says, then what becomes of our boasting? It is excluded. And he says, for we hold that one is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. And that in its essence is the greatest of all news. That it's humbling to know that we cannot earn our way to God. It's humbling to know that there's nothing we contribute to our salvation. It's humbling to know that we have done nothing to, to merit the grace of God, um, but it's glorious. That's what makes it good news. And so Paul has, has, has taken us down this road thus far in Romans where he has talked about the bad news. Now he's talked about the center of this good news. And now in Romans 4, which we're going to look at tomorrow, he begins to kind of flesh out for us what life in Christ look like. What does biblical faith look like in motion, in action? And that's where we're going um, tomorrow. All right. Glad you have joined us today. Um, that was a little uh, jump into the deep dive, um, the, uh, the deep waters theologically, so to speak, of the book of Romans. But just an encouragement, just to think about this this week, today, as you go about your day, that, that God um, did not spare his own son, but gave himself up, gave him up for us. And that's something that should evoke worship and adoration and thankfulness and gratefulness and it's something worthy for us to think and meditate on today. So please do that. In fact, let me pray for us now. Lord, go before us today. 
Lord, remind us that the death of Jesus was a sacrifice, a propitiation, a sacrifice of atonement put forward by you for us, not because we deserved it, but because of your grace and your glory. And Lord, we 